Good evening and welcome to Vikings Happy Hour presented by Lake Monster Brewing and That's Badass Wood Art. I'm your host, Ryan Ortega, and we have a great show for you today. We got Jonas joining us all the way from Germany. Thank you, Jonas, for joining us. Um, And we're going to talk Vikings defensive woes. Uh, We're going to go into kind of what's happening. Is there, is it salvageable? Can we fix things? Um, We'll also go into some offensive woes. Uh, Something that's not talked about enough is the run game uh, issues that we're having right now. So we'll dive into that a little. Of course, we're not all doom and gloom on this show. We'll talk some positives of what went well last game as well. um, And then dive into the Colts game. So go grab a drink and we'll be back in just one minute. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Welcome back here, everyone, to Vikings Happy Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Ortega. We are a little shorthanded today from our regular crew. Matt and Miles are a little busy, but as always, Dave is here with us uh, in the producer chair helping us out there. And we got a special guest here tonight. We got Jonas. And is it Stark? Is that how you say it? It's actually Stärk. Um, the the uh, S T is a little bit different uh, than Americans or any English native speakers are usually uh, doing it. And of course, the umlaut, which uh, has been, uh, which has gotten famous when the Vikings drafted a certain wide receiver in 2016. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. No, that's funny. Um, so yeah, we got Jonas joining us tonight uh, from Germany, and I think he just told me it's three a.m. there. So I just called him insane for joining the show, but I, I greatly appreciate it as uh, we were a little short-handed tonight. Um, Jonas, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, uh, if we talk about happy hour, it's probably a little bit too late or way too early for that, but uh, otherwise. <laughs> Uh, I'm fine, and um, it also actually is a good way to get me back into uh, the rhythm here because I struggled a little bit with that uh, when I returned from the States to Germany, Um, and this is actually something that should help. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's uh let's let's dive into that just a little bit if we could. So obviously I know uh you you spoke about it a little bit on the um the final score uh when you were here, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your experience here in Minneapolis. Um I, I not only did you go to the Vikings game, but you also went to I think a Wolves and a uh Wild game. So uh and maybe a little hiccup with some of the money issues there that uh, thankfully, I was able to kind of help out with. So uh, walk us through a little bit about your experience here. Yeah, I mean, um, overall, it's obviously a little bit different, although I wouldn't say it was like a culture shock or something. Like, it's still basically Western culture, so it's not that different. Um I definitely get now why everybody is saying that pretty much everything is bigger in the new, in the United States because there's a lot of things where this is just the case, especially when we talk about the cities. The streets normally have way more space than they used to have here um, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, and 
yeah, on the food side as well, a little bit, uh, like big, what you uh, would call a big portion in uh, in Germany or Europe isn't exactly big uh, uh, there. So it's it's there are some things that are different, but overall, I think it was it was definitely a fun experience and. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed it there. I don't know if I would want to live in this United States permanently, but I will definitely uh, visit Minneapolis again. Yeah, very good. Hopefully hit up another Vikings game uh, because you were a good luck charm. We did win that game. Uh, so, you know, that was good. That was good. So unlike when you were here, we, we did take a loss uh, this last weekend. Um, to the Lions, of course, that was a road game. So <clears throat> obviously, you're you're expecting for the um, you know you're expecting for it to be a little bit of a tougher conditions um, be, being in a road game and 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 playing an uh, upbeat team that's really feeling themselves right now. And going into the game, how did you feel one going into the game, and then we'll kind of get into the game itself uh, from there. To be honest, I wasn't that surprised because. The Lions currently, especially on offense, are pretty red hot. Um, I mean, they won like four out of five, I think. And uh, yeah, they were pretty hot going into this game. Uh, the Vikings obviously rested a few starters. Darisaw probably would have played if this was a playoff game. Harrison Smith probably would have played if this was a playoff game. Uh, Bradbury perhaps too. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, banged up he was, but uh, the other two guys I mentioned definitely would have played if this was a playoff game. And I think, um, as much as we obviously hoped that the Vikings would go in with the same intensity uh, every week, but I think it was very obvious very early that for the Lions this was an all-or-nothing game. And for the Vikings, it just wasn't. And you could feel that very quickly. Yeah, yeah, their backs were against the wall. They need to pretty much win out to have a chance at the playoffs. And and us, you know, to your point, and I think Warren Ellers here in the, in the chat uh, also kind of said the same thing. You know, was it worth us putting Darius at risk, Harrison Smith at risk, some of these other players who we, uh, who we rested, um, for for another win to secure a playoff um, a, a playoff spot, right? I mean, we have quite a few games to be able to do that. We um, have a relatively easy schedule to be able to do that as well. Not saying that any of these will be a cakewalk uh, because nothing has been this year, but you know, in theory, we should be able to you know win one one or two of those. Um, yeah, Dave, let's dive into some of those questions here. I know you had this fun infographics here. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So the first question I want to kind of dive into, Jonas, is is just recapping that dis, uh, defensive disaster. Um, from from your viewpoint, I know you watch a lot of tape, kind of after the fact, and rewatch a lot of stuff. Well, what's going on with the defense? Is, is there anything that we could do to be you know more effective, efficient? I know the the Minnesota media this uh, today just really hounded at Donatella on a lot of these a lot of these um, data points, right? Of what can be done? Is it scheme? Is it execution? So on and so forth. F- 
from your viewpoint, what, what are you seeing? I definitely, and I know it's a um, very unpopular opinion right now, but I'm actually thinking that a lot of the stuff that Ed Donatel said on his presser today is true because uh, I think a lot of uh, the issues right now come down to execution, come down to uh, players still thinking about their uh, responsibilities, about their uh, about their uh, points of emphasis. It's still a work in progress, and I know it's late in the season, and some things should be better, but. It is about execution. It just is. Um, and we carried over a defense on most positions that has been very, very bad for two straight years going into the season. There was only one real upgrade um, on the defensive side of the ball, which has been Zedaria Smith. You also, of course, could argue Daniel Hunter because he barely played the last two years. But otherwise, the personnel has been, has been pretty much the same. And this personnel now had to learn a new uh, scheme, an entirely diff different scheme. And I think there are a lot of uh, misconceptions uh at this point about what the defense is doing well, what the defense isn't doing well, and a lot of stuff uh, that's out there that that's just uh, not backed up by the facts. I think one of the best examples is uh, the thing about blitzing more. The Vikings did blitz more, a lot more, over the last few, uh, few weeks. They had a season high in blitzes uh, against the Lions. They had... 31% uh, of Goff's dropbacks blitz, and Goff went 9, for, uh, 9 of 11 for 122 yards in those dropbacks. And uh, the Vikings actually had a lower pressure rate than in week three against this same Lions team with a much lower blitz rate. Because if, you ha if you're going to blitz, you ha you put your coverage players in a way tougher spot. And at this point, I think the pass rush, it has been actually quite good over this season. And it has been good even over the last few weeks. But quarterbacks are able to get the ball out very quickly because we have open receivers running all over us. And if we start to blitz more, we take away... Uh, resources from our coverage units, which is already struggling, and mm -hmm. even and that's also the other thing that uh, Donatel mentioned on his press uh, on this press conference because he said that the pass rush has been getting very close very often, and that's the case. It it is the Vikings have one of the highest pressure rates in the NFL, and. It has gotten a little bit lower over the last few weeks, which again is notable uh, due to the fact that they have been blitzing more. So yeah. a lot of the things that fans want right now are actually happening right now and it just isn't working. And the other thing is that fans have 
uh, told that Donatel is trying to just implement his scheme and doesn't adjust. He has adjusted a lot. This is not the final version of the defense that he wants to install here. It isn't even close. His coverages are a lot different. Uh, this scheme usually has a big amount of pattern match coverages. Pattern match coverage is kind of a mix between uh, zone and man coverage, and we just we are just not seeing it here with the Vikings at all. Uh, mostly because either the players can execute it, and because you need uh, much chemistry and communication, and that's something that always isn't that already isn't working with uh, the spot zones they are playing right now. And uh, this defense has been adjusted quite a bit. They have been putting Hunter in more three-point stands than uh, they used to, to at, the at the beginning of the season. So they have tried a lot. The only yeah. thing that has stayed the same is the results. And that's that this defense just isn't very good and it just uh and at some point you just have to think about the personnel and that this unit uh just isn't good enough to be a good defense because you either have players that just aren't very talented and the talented players on this defense are mostly approaching or are already over the age of 30 Right. Right. And I mean, that's that's the that's exactly the point here, too, that I was going to make is that um, we're used to seeing these heralded defensive players for the Vikings, the Eric Kendricks of the world, the Harrison Smiths of the world um, play at such a high level that it covered up probably a lot um, in our previous regime that allowed allowed them to look absolutely fantastic and um, and or allowed other players to look good. Right. Uh, it used to be the old saying, you you put anyone next to Harrison Smith and they're going to be a you know Pro Bowl type player. You, know, you look at Anthony Harris, you look at Andrew Sandejo, um, you know, a lot of players looked really good uh, next to him. Same with Eric Kendricks. You know, when you put in uh, Eric Wilson next to him, he played at a very, very, well, he wasn't great, but he got a lot of tackles. So, um and, and thank you everyone for listening in right now. Our chat is just blowing up with a lot of different feelings about this defense right now. Um, some I agree with, some I don't. Um, and, and, uh, and, and some, some are agreeing with Jonas, some aren't. But when, when you look at this defense uh, from my perspective, right, um, I think it's a good mix of both. Um, so to, I agree with you, Jonas. I think that we are adjusting things. I think our talent is pretty, diff, you know, it, it's not the top talent that we're used to seeing on this defense. And it, um, it's hard to execute a, a good scheme when you're, you're the talent that you need to execute it isn't in house right now. And there's only so much we can do with one off season with relatively no money to put towards it. Right. Um, so we were trying to make do with what we have. And this is what Quasi was talking about when we said a competitive rebuild. He knew we could be competitive on the offensive side, given the talent we have on the offense. Um, but the defense was going to be the rebuild part of this. And he knew we'd be able to win games, but could we, could, could we hold teams off uh, that, you know, have, you know, these stronger offenses with this defense. And, and that's where it's going to be, you know, tough. Um, but at the same time, you know, the scheme, I don't think is, 
at, you know, a, a perfect design either. Even with the deficient talent, uh, there's plenty of defenses out there who have less talent than we do, and their defenses are playing better because of their scheme and because of the positions <laughs> that we're putting those uh, that their coaches are putting them in. Um, you know, I was watching the game this Sunday, <clears throat> and you know, you you could just bet any amount of money that if they were third and long or second and long, what the 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 middle of the the middle of the field is wide open every single time. There's something you can do. Like there's a schematic way that you can prevent that from happening and make them second guess where they need to look because every single time Goff got into a situation, he looked over the middle of the field, especially near the end of the game, and it was open. And they found a guy, they converted. Um, and and th- that's not necessarily – or I think that's more of a scheme thing of not adjusting. Um, you also have the situation in which um, – you know, you're talking about the blitzing, right? I agree. We are blitzing more. And I think that that puts specifically this defense who has a weaker back seven um, at risk because we don't have great players back there right now. Um, that, that puts us at risk. All of our talents up front. And while I do like a good blitz here and there, the issue is, is that the blitzes aren't getting home. We're just as effective rushing four right now as we are rushing five or six. So we need better i mean you're you're right it's probably partly play call or um sorry execution of the play call but it might just be also the play call like can we get more creative with these blitzes with some more stunts with the blitz um sending different kinds of guys i I haven't and i i don't have any data to back this up but like i don't remember ever seeing like a corner blitz that might throw somebody off rotate the coverage over top and, and and again i could be wrong here but i just haven't seen a ton of it right um, or just kind of throw them off some way with the way you are blitzing or even fake blitzing and, and pulling out of it, show a heavy blitz and then pull out of that real quick um, just to kind of get that quarterback's mental processing going a little faster and maybe make a mistake. Um, you haven't seen it a ton, but, you know, um, at the same time, these players seem to execute better. Yeah, that's actually something I would like to see, to have them more stuffed on the line of scrimmage and then just back out. So you have to guess which player is coming, which player is not. That is something that I would really like to see more, and that is something that Mike Zimmer did a lot and did it very well. And um, the other thing with the more uh, exotic uh, blitz looks, yeah, would be fun but on the other hand then you would ha- also have to if you won if you just don't uh, want to send the house you would have to drop certain guys into coverage and uh, then twitter would blow up again because uh, you would probably see guys like Daniel Hunter in coverage more you would probably see the Darius Smith coverage or, or DJ One or some of the edge guys and that's something that's also way overblown right now because uh, Hunter isn't dropping in coverage a lot. Uh, Zedaria Smith isn't dropping in coverage a lot. Uh, Daniel Hunter has 27 coverage snaps this season, which is pretty normal for an edge rusher. And uh, to give a little perspective of that, I actually look, uh, looked it up before. And uh, Hunter is, I think, 29th when it comes to coverage snaps this season uh, among 59 qualifying ed, 
among 60 qualifying edge rushers, so right in the middle. And to give you some names of guys who have been dropping in coverage more than Daniel Hunter, you have Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, Trey Hendrickson, uh, Matthew Judon, uh, Brian Burns, obviously Micah Parsons because he's playing a different role, but you have all those top-tier edge rushers who have been dropping in coverage more than Daniel Hunter has been. So this narrative is way, way overblown. And yeah. if, yep. if we want to see more exotic uh, blitz looks, we would have to do this more. And this is the thing that uh, I think is missing the point in a lot of these discussions. If you do those things that fans want to do, it's always a trade-off. You would always have to do something else to uh, to kind of uh, set it off. And this is the thing. You can't just call more blitzes, have the, have the players play tighter coverage, and... Uh, also send more exotic looks without sending uh, the edge rushers into coverage. It's like it's a trade-off, and you can't just do all of it. You have to know yeah. what what it means if you do some of it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and to your point, yeah, people are going to have to see, yeah, like you said, a, a DJ Wanham out in in the flat getting juked by a running back in, in open field um, while he's going on his route. Um, if that blitz doesn't get picked up, right. Or if that blitz, uh, blitz does get picked up, then we're going to probably see a big play anyway. So, you know, t- very good point there. Um, before we get into the next question here, I just want to, again, thank uh, everyone listening in and, and uh, throwing those comments. And I want to make sure that they keep coming in. We'll kind of call you out as we uh, see some that that interest us or, you know, good questions that, you know, pop up. Also want to just quick uh, give another shout out to our sponsor, Lake Monster Brewing. Um, fantastic beer up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, make sure you go check them out. They got some really good beer on tap right now that you uh, definitely appreciate. So uh, go check them out. Uh, oh, and they do have a uh, what is this called, Dave? There's a little it's event a, that they're having, right? Cookies for Santa. They are partnered with a Good Diaper Association. They're doing a local drive, and Sunday during game time, they will be having a family get together where you can uh, take pictures with Santa. Santa will be there, and you can make cookies for Santa. And for yourself, and all the while, you know, having a good time and, you know, meeting people. And and if you can't make the game, i.e. in the stadium, you can always go here and watch. And it's the perfect excuse for dad to bring the family, have them sit, make cookies. Mom hustles them up to, you know, Santa Claus as he's drinking beer and watching the game on the TV. Perfect. But that it's a good, like a it's a good sponsor for, sponsorship for the community, and it will be a blast. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Um, so, yeah, I want, want to dive into the, uh, the the next topic here, of course. You know, we could sit here and talk defense all day. These, you know, four or five games in a row with 400-plus, you know, yards given up. It's just an embarrassing thing. But, again, I, let's just get away from the defense for just a second. I do want to talk about one other worrisome thing, and then we can get into some positivity. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is just our offensive running game. 
So we obviously the 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 uh, offense is getting some praise right now. A lot is going to Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and everything that they're doing, which is in all reality is just fantastic to see. But one thing that isn't going super well right now is the run game recently. And I wanted to bring Dave back from behind the camera here because Dave, you got to talk to me about this offensive line. What's happening with the run game? Is it on them? Is it Dalvin Cook struggling to find the holes? What's happening uh, that that it's you know this run game is struggling so much? A combination of both. And then in this last game, you had two um, non-starters up there trying, and they were getting beat. It's generally the offensive line has done well. They do great in run blocking. So. If they're doing well in run blocking, that points to either the play calling or the decisions made by Cook slash Madison on how they're cutting back, when to cut back, when to hit the hole, not to hit the hole, etc. I think those are off just a little bit. I think there's changes from the Kubiak system. We know there is. That was the wide zone. We're running the um, inside zone which focuses more across the middle, but that should work. But they're not hitting the holes a lot of times at full speed. You'll see Kirk in shotgun turn off and hand off to Dalvin Cook. Well, the problem with doing a run play out of shotgun, it can be done. There are good people at it, but you don't get the head of steam. The running back doesn't get the head of steam and looking at the line as he's coming up and grabbing the ball. There's that difference, and that little bit may be enough to see what we're seeing and be the cause. Plus, I think Dalvin's gotten a year older. He still has, you know, that potential for burst. He had that long 85-yarder, but we're not seeing those big burst plays like we used to. So I think it's a combination of everything, whether it be the play setups, some of the, the blocking, and the guy's getting older. I would like to see more Madison. I'd like to see more, uh, you know, uh, thunder and lightning style, bang one, bang the other, bang, bang type of running. That'd be thunder game. and That's thunder. I don't, I don't think either of them are lightning much anymore. Well, but. <laughs> but but that, that brings me to my point here. So there's a couple of comments here that have come out. Warren and um, there was somebody else I had mentioned. Uh, what about, you know, Ty Chandler just coming off IR? Uh, designated to return. Do, do we get him some reps? Do we get Kenny Wangu some reps? Like, is that is that a possibility, Jonas? Not too sure about Wangu, uh, to be honest, because uh, I think there is a lot of stuff about being a running back that just uh, he's he's basically just fast. He has some solid open field vision which you need if you are if you are a good uh kick returner but i think that's about it i think he's not a running back that you have uh in a lot of offensive packages of course you can do something with the speed but that's i think uh he's a gimmick in my opinion and uh not much uh, there as a traditional run back. I think Ty Chandler is a different beast. Ty Chandler has been uh, a traditional running back uh, on college uh, at college. Uh, Nwangu wasn't. Uh, therefore, um, 
there is a little bit different experience there and uh, Ty Chandler is very good receiver out of the backfield uh, which is something that Cook in my opinion struggled with um, at least in the traditional running game yes he is good in the screen game because that's just uh, dumping the ball off and getting him in space that's where he is good but otherwise um I don't think he is a very good receiving back and Ty Chandler is that. So at least sure. I would like to see him uh, a little bit on third downs because I think he would give you a little bit uh, a different dimension, uh, which the Vikings at this point don't, uh, don't have. Right now, the sure. Vikings often have their running backs back in pass protection. Um, and all the running backs have been struggling mightily in pass protection this year. And I think one of the reasons the Vikings are bad against the Blitz is because running backs have been struggling to pick it up. And yeah, but to get back to the running game, I think uh, this Detroit game was kind of an outlier because first, Dave already mentioned it, um, we had two offensive line starters out. And I would say the two probably most valuable run blockers we have. Uh, well, you could count in uh, Brian O'Neill, but I think Bradbury uh, and Derisaw are probably the most impactful run blockers we have uh, on this offensive line. And therefore, if you have both of them out, it had to matter. And uh, the other thing is that the Lions played the running game very aggressively. And I think... Um, this is another reason why it it was never working. I think the Lions basically said, okay, we don't have uh, the guys to stop this passing game, so at least make them one-dimensional. Di we pull all of our guys up. We defend the running game, make sure they just can't run at all, and then uh, we don't care if they drop like... Uh, 350 or 400 yards passing on us, but at least we don't let them let them run because that's basically the only thing on this offense that we can stop if we put resources into it. And I think that's the game plan they kind of had, and it that, kind of worked point, because though. yeah, I think it worked because uh, they put the Vikings into some tough third down spot, the Vikings converted a lot of them, but they also made a few mistakes along the way. And I think that's what the Lions were going for. And um, knowing that this was probably going to be a shootout, this was enough for them. So uh, yeah. I think that and, was I mean, the that plan reminds me a little bit of what we did to Dallas a couple of years ago. Same kind of thing. We put every resource we had into stopping, stopping Zeke and uh, dared Dak Prescott to beat us. And, and we ended up coming away with that win uh, down and uh, down at the uh, Dallas Palace there, uh, down there in Dallas. So, um, you know, very interesting. Well, one of the things that I read today, uh, again, just going back to offensive line before we get into, you know, some more positive talk here um, was uh, over the last few days, when Derisaw is in, we're running at a clip of like three yards or like two and a half yards better per carry than when he's not in. 
So obviously he's been hurt quite a bit for the last few games. Um, but when he's in the game, we're running at a significantly better yards per carry average. One interesting tidbit there. Another thing that I read today was that Kirk Cousins is the most hit quarterback in the league right now. Dave, this was our offensive line. We, we thought we finally figured it out. Obviously, we've had some injuries. I get it. Your best your best um, pass protector is out uh, over the last, what, you know, three of the last four games or whatever it is. And that um, so obviously that hurts you of, quite a bit. That affects the play of Ezra Cleveland as well. And especially last week when you had Bradbury out, the guards are having to, Ezra's having to do everything on the left side, help the center, help the tackle, right? And he had, he didn't have a good game doing that. On the right side, you know, when they're out, Ed's got a, Ed's still got his problem. Ed's getting better, but he's still got his problem. He overcommits. He overextends sometimes. Those are things he'll learn. He's just a rookie. It's going to take time. Linemen usually don't get it until year three or at least three, three to four. I'm not worried about Ed. It's not as good as we'd like. Yes, we're getting a lot of QB hits. <laughs> Part of that, however, is Kirk Cousins. Uh, before, Kirk Cousins would just turn around. If anybody got close, he'd turn around and chuck the ball out of bounds. He's not doing it. He's looking downfield. He's looking for somebody to come open or get close to it, you know, Justin Jefferson, and heave the ball. So he's taking more hits that way. Uh, and there's nothing wrong. I'm not worried about it. He's tough. It's it, Hopefully it's not building up on him, and uh, he's going. Do I want my offensive line better? Oh, hell yes, I do. Absolutely. Especially in pass blocking. But it, it's there's there's really nothing. We talk about the defense. Is there anything that's going to be changed that's significant? There's especially nothing going to change that's significant on the offensive line. But I don't think they're doing that badly. They, they literally are. When I looked prior to last week's game, I think DVOA – had them as the 17th offensive, ranked offensive line. That puts okay them dab in the middle. That's mediocre. Yep. That's what we wanted. Yep. That is a ton better than last from the previous year. So it's an improvement. Yeah, that, it's getting better. And, and like I said, Kirk's braver this year. You know, we're seeing him and, actually and, climbing the pocket, right, to, <laughs> to key uh, on brand. On brand. But we're seeing him do that. We're seeing him move this year and helping. Yeah, I mean, when he stepped up on that one pass, and I can't remember exactly who he darted it to, but climbed the pocket beautifully, ducked over a, a, a arm coming his way, and, and delivered a ball for a big first down uh, against the Lions here. Uh, just beautiful. And, and this is a perfect segue, right? Let's talk some positivity here, okay? We've been so negative for the first 39-ish minutes of this show. Real quick, Warren, you had mentioned you wanted Darisaw to sit out until the end of the uh, – until playoffs. Um, Brandel just went out with an MCL. So we – we I mean, we, we don't – we really don't – we've seen Udo play – uh, we we haven't seen Vidarian Low play, but I don't think we really want to. I, I don't know for sure because you know I shouldn't you know talk bad on this guy if I if I've never really seen him play. But if Darius is healthy, which supposedly he is, let, let's get him in there. And my question sure is how 
How long does it take to heal from a concussion? Forever, potentially. I don't know. They're all different. Well, it's, I mean, to where, well, if it's too bad, it could be. Um, and accumulation over time, yes. You develop CTE or can develop CTE. But when it comes to short term, how long does it take? And it's, Derisaw's been out, what, three weeks now? Yep. After having two back-to-back, right? After so having like, two back-to-back. Or, or, yeah. If you're, he says he's fine. Everybody's cleared. He was cleared last week, and they held him out for one game. At what point do you say, well, I want to hold him out so long, and you're saying, well, I'm only going to play him in the playoffs? Is that good for Derisaw? Is that good for the team? If he's healthy to go now? That's like saying, hey, let's pull Kirk Cousins and put in um, the backup. Well, why? Well, in case he gets hurt. Well, that's not how the game's played. The game's played. If you're healthy or close to it, you can perform. You go out there and you play. You earn that spot. You earn the right to do that. So go do that. And then everybody says he's healthy, including Derisaw. Go out there and play. There's no benefit to holding him back right now. I agree. I agree. Um Great. Well, well, let's move to some positivity here. So we had we we obviously played super well on in the past game. Uh, Jonas, what was working for us? What what was Jefferson able to do to go break Sammy White's record? I mean, what Jefferson is able to do and what's working for him is pretty much everything at this point. He is good at the <laughs> catch point. Uh, he wins contested catches. He uh, Obviously, is one of the best route runners in the league. He uh, he is absolutely phenomenal when it comes to the leverage game. So uh, he is great at setting up his uh, defenders in a way uh, he wants. Like the funny thing is, uh, when I was over there in Minneapolis and they had that touchdown to him. When I saw the defensive alignment, I was like, okay, that's going to be a Jefferson 10-yard out route because of the leverage this guy had. He played kind of with outside leverage, but he was already already cheating inside. So uh, we pretty much knew that Jefferson would just go a little bit inside, bait him there, and then uh, go outside. And that's just the stuff he does on a regular basis. And... uh, I think this is what makes him most dangerous at this point. And I think the only way you can cover him is to have a guy aggressive at the line of scrimmage uh, who pushes him off, uh, who doesn't give him the room to uh, play with the leverage and then have a guy over the top that brackets him. Like, that's the only way. But that way you have to occupy uh, two uh, two guys on every play, and that's just not going to happen. And uh, we've seen Adam Thielen looking a little bit better than he looked uh, at the beginning of the season. We have seen TJ Hawkinson fit, uh, fitting right in with this offense. So you can't just put two guys on Jefferson now the way the Eagles and the Lions did early in the season. And therefore, it's hard to just get Jefferson uh, to slow Jefferson down in any way because if he's one-on-one, he wins. That's just the way it is. If he's one-on-one... And, and even if he's he, covered. Uh, I mean, like yeah. even if even if they play perfect defense, he's just 
I don't know. Like he's almost better when he has a contested catch situation than when he's open. <laughs> like he's dropped a couple of balls this year, but he doesn't really drop many contested catch opportunities. It's kind of insane. Yeah, and we actually, when uh, he was uh, in the draft process, everybody was talking about how physicality is probably his weakness. And at the start of the route, it's still true. That's the one thing where you can get him if you are very aggressive and very physical at the release. Um, but again, if you want to do that, you have to have a guy over the top. And uh, you can't just always do that and even on uh i think it was the uh Thielen touchdown uh i'm not sure if all it was it was played right in the red zone where you could see this impact because uh you had jefferson and Thielen on the same side and the two guys uh they were matched up with both went with jefferson and then Thielen was wide open and uh Yeah, that's just the impact he has. And even if he isn't uh, the guy who's targeted, he still impacts the game because of the resources that defenses just uh, put into stopping him. And um, yeah, that's what people pretended David Cook was for us for years because everybody was like, okay, David Cook is occupying those resources and therefore opens up passing him. That's not how it works because it's uh, different with the running game, but it's the way it works with Jefferson. And therefore Jefferson is the guy who makes this offense go. And uh, this offensive success is just 100% dependent on him. If he, if he gets going, uh, there's not much you can do to stop this offense. And and, and uh, to Clifford's point, you know, Kirk Cousins has has been his ball placement's been great. That's never really been an issue for Kirk. But what's changed about Kirk is that I feel like either he's gotten the green light or he's just gained more confidence in Justin Jefferson, where he's giving it the opportunity. He's giving him the opportunity more often than not to make these plays, which again, if you're one-on-one in, in tight coverage, bracket coverage, whatever it might be. I mean, even then two-on-one situations, he's throwing them up the ball and giving him a chance. And again, Jefferson's making plays happen uh, where typically that's a CJ ham dump off. That's a tight end dump off. That's a, you know, four yards short of the, the sticks on third down, um, play to the slot receiver and, and, and we're, we're punting, right? Kirk Cousins is being a lot more aggressive. So where all the credit deservedly goes to Justin Jefferson, because he has to make these impactful plays, Kirk Cousins giving him the opportunity to do so. And, and Kevin O'Connell's giving, you know, giving Kirk Cousins the green light to do so, which has you know, made a, such an impact in the, on the offense this year. Um, One of the other uh, one of the other bright spots. I mean, I know it's not sexy or whatever, but uh, and and I think Janae was is it Janae in the comments here? Gosh, I'm really bad with or Lene Lene in the comments. Um, our punter, our punter is you know consistently, of course, like you don't think of a punter as just a super bright spot ever. And I know we had a big punt return this year that or this so uh, last week that went you know pretty well for the Lions, but. Overall, for the most part, 
um, we, we've had great punting and, and that does change the game quite a bit when you're talking punting from your own, you know, 10, 10 yard line or, or closer and, and you're putting it, you know, completely flipping the field back over to their 15, 20. I mean, that, that, those are un, like, those are plays that are not sexy, but they make the biggest impact when it comes to, you know, being able to come, come back and win these games or, or in, when we're in these close games, it makes a big impact for us to be able to execute the way we need to. Um, awesome. So, you know, we, we spent a majority of time uh, lolling on the past. Let's look forward to the, to the game here this weekend here. Uh, Jonas, why don't you start us off? You know, what, what do we have to look forward to? Obviously, you know, Colts typically really strong defense, um, offense is quite poor outside their run game, which has struggled this year compared to last, but has picked up over, you know, ever since Jonathan Taylor's gotten a little bit healthier, it's kind of picked up a little bit. So, um, luckily the, if we were to have a strength on this defense, it's not a very great strength, but, uh, it is the run defense, right? I mean, we have actually played relatively well against the run. That's going to be their best part of their game. Do we just implement what the Lions just did to us and put all of our resources into stopping Jonathan Taylor and saying, go ahead and try to beat us with Matt Ryan's noodle arm and, and uh, against Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell and, and uh, I forget who else they have out there, but um, you know, is that the, is that the strategy we should be going out with? I would disagree with that because uh, then you would have to pull up the uh, the linebackers and the middle of the field is already pretty open for us uh, all season. And if you do that, um, yeah, you just um, make that worse. Similar, similar with uh, more blitzing. I think that's one of the reasons why the issues in the middle of the field have gotten worse again after they, in my opinion, improved a bit after the bye week and then when they started blitzing more and they also had some injuries, um, then the middle of the field just uh, got wide open just again. And I think that's the only thing where this uh, Coles team could beat us. If they can consistently attack the middle of the field, that's when things are going to get different. You... It's, you already mentioned uh, the arm strength that obviously isn't there anymore for Matt Ryan. So let's force him to test this arm strength. What I want to see is to have the safeties a little bit more aggressive uh, in the middle of the field to uh, have, uh, in general, the coverages a little bit uh, more... Uh, forward a uh, little bit more uh cover two to get the uh to get the uh flat zones covered and then you just uh you force him to throw deep you force you force him to throw outside that's the one thing i want to see because that's where i think he's gonna make mistakes because uh then the throws are going to be late they are uh, he just, again, he just doesn't have the arm strength uh, to hit those. And uh, therefore, I wouldn't do something that opens up the middle of the field because that's, again, the only place where he can beat us. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Brandon, can you stop that real quick, please? Sorry, my son's uh, filling up his water bottle. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> um, Getting back to the run defense, I pulled up PFF and looked at our run defense. Run defensive grade is a uh, 85.8. We are second in the league per PFF against the run. And uh, we got everybody back healthy on the defensive line with uh, Tomlinson and Phillips in the middle. And I think that helps. Well, and, and, and Dave, a part of that, though, a little bit, Dave, is the fact that they can just throw on us. Like, like, like you know, oh, like, may, you, you know what, what I mean? Like, like they're, they're getting up on us, right? You know, they're, they're able to throw the ball at will. So, you know, they throw in some run to – to kind of keep us just from, you know, pin, you know, pinning our tail or, you know, whatever that pinning our ears back to rush a passer. So they throw in some runs and obviously I don't think they even care about that because they know that to Jonas's point, we got to protect the middle. They know we can't be able, we haven't been able to do that most of the year. Uh, right. right. Uh, so I think it might be a little inflated, but, to, but as I mentioned earlier, it is the best part of our defense right now. I, w- I actually don't think that this is inflated because uh, if we talk about total stats, uh, that would probably uh, be the case. But um, if we look at efficiency metrics or just performance-based metrics like uh, PFF, um, you don't uh, you don't see run defense being better just because pass defense sucks and. I think, uh, I actually think the front five of our defense has done a very good job on both phases of the defense. Um, both the pass rush and the run defense of the front five has been pretty good. And, um, you know, the pass rush doesn't get noticed a lot because the coverage is breaking down and uh, they just can't get home before uh, the quarterback has a wide open right receiver uh, running uh, free over our defense. And yeah, that's because we haven't seen it that much, but still, Zedarius Smith leads uh, the NFL in pressures by actually a pretty good margin. It's uh, 70 pressures for Zedarius, and the next guy is Nick Bosa with 64. So there's actually uh, uh, it's actually not that close, and Daniel Hunter, even though he has been quieter than we know him, is still uh, I think eighth in uh, overall grade, uh, tied tenth in pressures. So the pass rush is playing well, and the run defense is too, and. Um, I think the run defense gets noticed more because that's the one part of our defense that our coverage can mess up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's true too. Is it time to get Brian Asamoa some more reps? I mean, he's supposed supposedly a better uh, in in pass in in, in pass you know, the passing game. Uh, he's faster. Granted, I don't. Th- I it will hurt your run game if he's in uh, compared to Jordan Hicks, who I think is you know a very good run defender. Um, 
is it trying time to get Osmo some more reps? I know we've been sprinkling him in just a bit more here and there. Uh, he may, I, I remember for sure two plays he was in one. He, I don't think he necessarily caused the incompletion, but he disrupted the the route enough where it was a bad pass. Um, and then I saw him actually make a Well, he didn't make the play, but he was in on that play um, in, in a tackle for loss situation. So I, th- I think it's time to, to give him a little bit more run and see what he can do. We uh, we might see that because uh, Hicks got injured last week, which is why Asamoah got more reps. Uh, and I think he hasn't practiced at least yesterday. Um, he, he did practice limited today. Okay, so I, we'll see if uh, Hicks is going to play, but I think we're going to see more snaps of him going forward. They have been doing it a little bit more uh, over the last few weeks, and uh, we are going to see it. Um, I'm not sure if he even in coverage is better right now because, yes, he is more athletic, but on the other hand, he still has to know which landmarks he's supposed to hit, uh, where he's supposed to be. He has to read uh, the play uh, get and... Uh, recognize the route concept and uh, his responsibility there. And this, he I think... really good at all that, Jonas, because I, I, I've watched so much tape of him at Oklahoma. He, he, he's our best defender in, on the defense if we just let him give, it, give him an opportunity. He's going to be a star. But that's just my bias. I, that's just my bias creeping in. Um, he, all right, well, you know, there's a lot of good conversation. Go ahead. He definitely has a very high ceiling as soon as he gets this all together. But uh, I don't know if he's there yet. And I think he can have some packages for him. And that's what the Vikings are doing right now, especially if they want to blitz, because that's uh, the way to actually bring some speed on the blitz uh, if you don't want to bring the DBs. And therefore, I, I'm, I like that. But yeah. uh, I don't think you can put him in a full-time role just yet. Well, clearly, you know, people are still adjusting to this scheme, according to Donatel, and uh, and nobody's really playing all that well right now. So I think we just need maybe need to give him a shot. But that's just my opinion. So why, why don't we dive into predictions here? We got a couple minutes left here before we hit the top of the hour. Um, we, we did not get a media guest this week. Uh, just – Again, kind of a whirlwind just over the last couple of days of of, uh, of the show and, and the planning and everything. So that's on me. Uh, apologies for that. So we'll dive right into Jonas. Uh, what, what do we have for a prediction this week? I definitely think the division will be locked up this week. Uh, I'm very confident about this. It's a home game and the Vikings have played relatively well this season after bad losses um especially uh the patriots game after after the cowboys game was a very impressive uh reaction and i think this team has shown multiple times that uh they are capable of uh of countering adversity and i think they're going to do that again this week and I'm I'm very confident they are going to win and um yeah actually I 
didn't want to do it, but I actually, uh, if I do it rationally, I think we're going to see the first multiple score victory since week one. Because I think the defense will uh, have at least a little bit of a bounce back game. They will force some turnovers. I think this is one of the reasons the defense has looked uh, worse uh, over the last few weeks because they forced like two turnovers, I think, uh, after they had quite a lot uh, during the run after the bye week. Um, and I think they they are going to have two, at least two turnovers this, uh, this week. And therefore, my score prediction would probably be I I would say it's gonna be twenty eight to nineteen. This Colts defense isn't bad, and obviously def, uh, the matchup with DeForest Butner worries me a bit. But the edge rush isn't very good, um, and I think yeah, I think the offense is going to have a pretty normal day for them. So uh, yeah, it's. 28 to 19, you have uh, a two-score victory in in the end. Uh, and I think some of the Colts points are going to be garbage time, so it's going to be a little bit more convincing than it sounds just by the score. Well, there you go. Dave, what do we got? We win by at least two scores. Two scores. So you guys are both calling for a big win. You got a score prediction? We score over 30. So, yeah, I'll put it like 35, 20, 21. Something like that. 35. That's a lot lot of points against a pretty good defense. But I think think I'm kind of right there. I want to see him score 35. I I, I love it. I love it. I think it's going to be a little bit more modest personally. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, the, I think the, the over under is 48 and a half. I think, I think we're going to hit the under for the week. I, I'm going to say 20 Jonas. I'm right there with you. I think I, I, I don't think it's a two score win though. Uh, 28, 20, that, that'll put me right under the, right on the under and, and, you know, a little bit, you know, we're, we're four point favorites. So it gives me a little bit more, um, on the points, but I'm going to say, uh, 28, 20. So, Hopefully, uh, hopefully our Vikings can can come through. Um, if you haven't come through yet with your Christmas gift ideas, we have that's badass wood art to, to come save the day here. If you go on to their website, they got so many fun things. Uh, it's not just Viking stuff. They got uh, everything from Vikings to other Minnesota sports to TV shows. There's one, uh, The Office, um, Kevin carrying the chili, I think it was, that I saw on there that I – I almost pulled the trigger on. I mean, they they just got so much. They also do personalized things. If you send them a photo of your family, they can, uh, you know, uh, mock that up and get that out to you as well. If you do go ahead and and go to their website to to purchase an item there, please use our promo code CT Pocket, uh, and and you'll get twenty percent off your first order or just off of one item. I believe is how it is. So. Um, 
be sure to check them out. There's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, perfect Christmas gift ideas. So, um, Lewis Dave, just finished this piece yesterday for a particular customer who wanted JJ doing a gritty. Love it. I mean, it's so awesome. I mean, I know he's mocking up the the JJ great incredible catch, catch great right catch. now, and yeah. uh, and and follow him on Twitter. He he asks fans for uh, you know some some ideas or just like kind of their pro- their perspective on certain things. So definitely check it out, um, Dave. What do we have going on for the rest of the week? Uh, tomorrow night we have Viking hot takes. I've already got the questions from Flip and Eric. They will be going at it. And then Saturday, no two old bloggers. Why? Because we got a football game. That means we have the final score in the last two minutes. Join us live as we watch the end of that game, hopefully celebrating an NFC North title. <laughs> that that would be fantastic. I actually have tickets for that game. I am actively trying to sell them. If anyone's interested, hit me up on Twitter. Um, you don't want to see him win the NFC North? I want to go. I I also have coaching responsibilities with my kids. Um, My my daughter's last basketball games this week as well, which I don't coach her team. But so I'd I'd love to, you know, spend that time with the family. Um, But if I can't uh, sell them, I will be going to the game. So um, so if anyone's interested, let me know. Uh, You can always hit me up on Twitter, Sports Guy Rye on Twitter. So um, Jonas, again, it's like 4 a.m. your time. I appreciate you coming on and, and joining us. You need to get some sleep. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, Dave, uh, can you kind of lead us out here? What do we say, guys? Oh, yeah. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. To that's badass wood art, when you're looking for something unique to brighten your space. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody! Skull, everybody!